Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. today called Share. And so I'm very excited about this, uh, this series that we're going to be doing. Being the family ministry pastor, um, I get to spend, again, a lot of time in the kids' areas. I was in the two-year-old room, um, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and there were two kids having a tug-of-war over a toy. Do you know what I mean? Not so much sharing going on in there, just so you know. So I thought, as I walked upon this situation that I would have a pastoral moment with these two-year-olds. You know what I mean? I mean, like I was going to bring them some wisdom and help them know that God, you know, shared his son Jesus with us. So why don't we share our toy? Have you ever been threatened by a (laughs) two-year-old? Yes, I see that hand. Um, Yes, not did not work out well for me. So uh, that is not the kind of sharing that we're going to be talking about today. Although, um, that is a good virtue to learn. Would you, would you agree with that, parents? Yes. So, if you've been around SEC for any length of time, you know that at the end of every service, we pray a prayer. And we call it our core for prayer. And so, uh, one of the last lines of that prayer is, God, help me share your message. And so, that's what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter, which is really only about three weeks away it's coming April 21st, and we're having uh, more information coming to you about that at the end of the service. But we want you to begin to think, if you haven't begun to think about it yet, the people in your circle. Who is it that you could invite? Who is it that you could share and give an opportunity for a better life? And so in, in we've provided some resources there in your program, and we want you to begin to think about who it is. Why? Because we want them to have an opportunity for a better life, amen, like we have. And we want uh, them to experience the joy that Jesus has given us um, as we have gotten to know him more. So today I'm going to talk to you about a very important component of sharing. In fact, it sounds like the opposite of sharing. It sounds like something that maybe you struggle with or something I struggle with. I know at home I struggle with this a lot. Sometimes at work I struggle with this a lot. And maybe you do too. And so I believe that before we tell people what it is that they need to know about faith, that there's something that we need to do in laying the foundation for caring and meeting needs. And that word is listen. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, you need to listen? Can you turn to your other neighbor and say, you need to listen? Now, husbands and wives, I don't want to start a fight, okay? But listen, listen is something sometimes I don't do well, and maybe sometimes you don't as well. I tell myself when I'm in the moment with a conversation, with my ADD fighting me, I'm having an internal conversation saying, focus, listen, Look in their eyes. I'm having all these conversations in my head because I want to engage. I want to be present in the moment. But sometimes my mouth gets in the way. 
And sometimes my mouth talks before I listen. And so today, I feel like it's a foundation that we share this as, we, as we're sharing our faith to listen. And 1 Peter 3 and 15 points us to this. It says this. You can find it on the screen or on your outline. Always be what? Prepared. Would you circle prepared? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Now, before we're to give an answer, we're to be what? Prepared. Thank you. We can't give an answer until we're prepared. Now, I know that might mean, you know, knowing what you want to say. If someone asks you about your faith, if someone asks you about your church, you kind of do want to have an idea of your story, right? How you came to faith. We call that your testimony. But I think before we open our mouth, listening and meeting needs of people around us is imperative. It's very important because if we don't stop to be in the moment, we're going to miss the moment that God is setting up for us. I want to tell you a story about how the wrong way to do this is, okay? It's a story that involved me at nine years old. I was, it was a summer day, which by the way, I cannot wait till summer gets here. I'm just going to throw that out there as an opinion. I'm tired of the cold weather. But I, it was a summer day and all my cousins were at my uncle and aunt's house. We were all playing. We, I was nine years old and we'd been playing all day. Well, later that night, uh, more cousins came, like from his side, like his dad's side, his cousins came. So there was all these, both sides of the family cousins. We were just having a big cookout. It was just so much fun where you play till dark. You know what I'm saying? And so we were outside and I began to look at all these kids who were all younger than me. And I don't know what I'd learned at church that week or what conversations I'd had. But I decided that all those kids needed to know about Jesus. Yes. So there was a well house. Now, those of you that grew up in the country, you may know what a well house is. Does anybody know what a well house? Okay. Many of you more than was in the first service. Okay. So I'm so glad you're with me. Well house uh, comprised of the well inside, right? And maybe a pump that would pump the water into the house. So my uncle had a cinder block red well house with shingles on the roof. And on the back side of that well house was an older well with a cement cover. Have you ever seen those? Okay. Thank goodness for the cover because we probably would have fell in the well and Lassie would have had to come get us, right? So we were in the well. We were... We decided that, hey, I wanted to have them all come and sit on the cover of this well and around the well house so that I could tell them about Jesus. And this is the way that the conversation started. And again, this is the wrong way. I got down because they were all sitting on the ground. They were all younger. And I looked at them in the eye and said, do you want to go to hell? wrong way okay their eyes got this big they were probably between the ages of four and eight okay and it was the year that the gremlins movie came out like so I think this was all in our heads as well and I began to tell them about Jesus and I began to tell them about hell and how they would go there if they didn't ask Jesus into their heart and I asked them all, did they want to uh, say a prayer after me to ask Jesus in their heart? And of course, they all were like, yes, please, with tears probably streaming down their face. They were scared to death. And so I made 
forced them to say a prayer after me and they asked Jesus into their heart and then I looked at them and said now don't you feel better and of course they probably only said yes because I was forcing them to so I just received an offering and sent them on their way <laughs> I really didn't receive an offering but that would that would have been a good idea to think about that now this is totally again the wrong way to do this right there is something to be said about listening and caring and being there for people before you throw truth in their face that maybe they're not ready for. So I tell you this story that did happen actually at a well in order to set up another account that happened at a well. We'll find it in John chapter 4. And Jesus, the master listener, is going to give us a lesson in how to do this best. And it's found in John chapter 4, which is the fourth book in, in the New Testament. And you can find it on the screen or here on your outline. And it says this. So he, which is Jesus, left Judea and returned to Galilee. And he had to go through Samaria on the way. Notice he had to go. Would you kind of maybe underline that or circle that? Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar. Near the, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now I know that this woman had no idea 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years later that we would be talking about her. But this is not a chance encounter. This is a moment that Jesus created. She was a Samaritan woman. And what that means was that they were a mixed race. And unfortunately, the Jews were very prejudiced toward the Samaritans. In fact, to get from point A to point B, they would go around Samaria, miles and miles out of the way, instead of just walking through the country. And so Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria. He could have went around like most Jews, but I think the writer here is saying he did have to go. You know what I'm saying? He did have to go. He created this moment. He didn't want to miss it. Now, this lady was out at high noon. I like to say high noon because I think about Clint Eastwood movies, right? My dad used to watch those. He still does. And you just see those dirty, dusty cowboys in the desert with their guns. And they just look thirsty, don't they? Like you just want to give them some water. Like here drink from your canteen you just look so dirty and dusty and so this is where she was it was noontime and she was carrying her heavy vessel from her small town of Sikar to this well why would you come out in the heat of the day the hottest part of the day to draw water most people most women would do this around 6 p.m. in the evening when it were cooler but she came out at noon. Have you ever been there? Like you go to your office late because maybe you don't want to see someone. You go early because you don't want to run into anyone. You, you get to, to school early because you want to avoid that group of friends. 
She was avoiding something here, which we'll find out about later. She all of a sudden saw men coming toward her, and this was very unusual because they were Jewish men, and there was a lot of them. And so I'm sure with her head down, she just began walking, and then they split off, and one was left. And he sat wearily by the well, the one that she was headed to, by the way, which I'm sure made her very uncomfortable. And she asked, he asked her a question, would you give me something to drink? Now Jesus here is not really asking a question because he's actually making a statement. He sees her alone. He sees her, he's God, so he knows she's been rejected, which again, we'll talk about in a moment. But he's entering into her life. And he's not making a statement of, would you just give me something to drink? He's making a statement saying, I see you. He's making a statement, you are not a nobody. And he sees her. And so if we are going to share our message with those in our circle, I think number one, we've got to listen carefully to the questions rather than giving quick answers. Listen carefully to the questions rather than giving quick answers. Would you agree that the first need that we have as humans is to be known, to be loved, to be cared for, to be valued? And Jesus was here listening and present to meet the need of this woman. She asked, why are you asking me for a drink? She had this large vessel, and it, it probably would have been the case that the vessel that she had drank from, that he actually be drinking from that vessel as well. And Jews didn't do that. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans, much less drink after Samaritans. And as Christ followers, when people begin to ask us about our faith, I think it's important that we listen to questions rather than listen to give quick answers. Especially if you have children or grandchildren that you're trying to win to the faith. Don't rush past their questions. As they're processing their doubts, don't shut them down by saying, I can't believe that you would say that. You were raised better than this. Don't you know the Bible says this or that? Instead of shutting them down and not less letting them process their doubts, can't we understand that when they're processing their doubts, they're actually processing their faith? Amen. Let's listen to understand rather than listen to answer. Instead of telling them they're weird or they're crazy, what if we said, wow, that's a great question. Let's talk about that more. Let's ask ourselves, who is God bringing into our lives in order that we may listen? Who is it? Philippians 2 and 4 says, don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in who? Others. Others too. Pastor says many times, we have to learn to be interested in rather than be interesting. We've got to learn that there are people that need a listening ear. Jesus took a different route. He walked right through Samaria where no Jew would go. What if we walked a different route? What if we walked a different route to class? Who might we run into that maybe needs to hear? What if we stopped by a different QT for roller food at lunch? <laughs> and if you're stopping for roller food at lunch, please stop doing that. It's bad for you. They have chicken salad, too, somewhere, I know, in the cold freezer. Find that. Stop by another one. 
see who God might bring into your path to listen to. Because you know what? People do care about how much you care more than they care about how much you know. In your program, there's a way that you can figure out uh, ways to care for our community. It's called Love Week. And in your program, there's about seven different ways. If you have a small group, you can sign up with your small group. You could sign up with your family. You could sign up with friends. We just encourage you to do that. Let's show some people in our community that we care in the week leading up to Easter. Who knows, God may bring someone that needs an ear to listen. Number two, let's listen to steer the conversation rather than pushing for a conclusion. Let's listen to steer the conversation rather than pushing for a conclusion. Look at what Jesus said in verse number 10. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But bless her heart, she's just so literal right here. She's thinking about H2O, not the eternal water that Jesus has, uh, has to offer. And she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater? She starts to throw a little shade at Jesus right here. Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? I love this because Jesus doesn't butt in. He just lets her keep processing. He lets her ask follow-up questions. Can I tell you that people don't ask questions about their faith unless God is working in them? People don't bring up questions to you about your faith unless God is working in them. And when you are experiencing that moment, whether it's a little child or a person that's 92 years old on their deathbed, you are experiencing a moment of the divine. God is at work. We've got to listen. If you're in an SEC group, you know that the best group leader, when, when conversation may go off one way, the best group leader doesn't shut them down in uh, pushing for a conclusion. They just gently guide the, the conversation back to truth. Parents, when your children are asking these questions, don't freak out. That would be my number one uh, thing to say to you. My number one piece of advice, don't freak out. But gently steer the conversation back toward truth. Affirm their intentions. Because if they're... If they're processing their doubt, they're processing their faith. Jesus replied in verse 13. He said, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them what? Eternal life. What is he saying? He's saying, lady, you're thirsty in a whole different way. And I have come to give you eternal life and to give you that eternal water. Verse 15, she says, please, sir. She's beginning to open up. Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. I won't have to come here to this place alone to avoid the people that I'm trying to avoid. She's still a little bit literal, but she's opening up. Why? Because there's a thirst in all of us. 
How do we fill our thirst usually with things, don't we? With jobs, with experiences, with relationships, with stuff, with more new relationships, with another new job, with more new stuff. Let me ask you this question today. How much sand does it take to quench a thirst? Who are the people in our circle that are trying to quench their thirst with sand? And I want to pause right here just for the people in the room, the people upstairs, and the people watching online to say this. If you're trying to quench your thirst with sand, the thirst quencher is here today. And inside your program, there's a prayer that you can pray. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. And if you read that prayer and you mean it with all your heart, he's going to come in and he's going to quench your thirst for eternity. We were all created to have our thirst uh, quenched by our Heavenly Father. And he's here today to do that. And so all you have to do, again, is just read that prayer, mean it with all your heart. And the only thing we do ask is that on the back of your connection card that you would just check that box that says, Today I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower just so we can send you some things uh, in the mail to help you along in your journey, and we can pray for you. The water is so good. Jesus does something next that seems so insensitive. He, it really seems mean. He trusts, she's trusting him, and, and now he's able to call attention to something in her life, the elephant in the room, so to speak, the reason that she's going to the well at noon, the hottest part of the day, And it's found in verse 16, and this is what Jesus told her. He said, go and get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, but you have five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. She's just beginning to open up, and it seems like what he's saying now would just shut everything down. He's calling her out. But can I tell you today that he's not really calling her out. He's actually calling her up. He's calling her up to a new life. A life that is a a life that can, uh, her thirst can be quenched with not sand any longer, but with the new water that is Jesus Christ. He's having a conversation with a lady that's been married five times. And this is very uncommon in those days. And she lived in a very small village where everybody knew your, your business. You know what I'm saying? So they all talked about her. And this is the reason why she's going to the well alone. She's had five husbands. She's talked about. She's rejected. She's lonely. And we don't know if she had five husbands because of decisions she made or if she had five husbands because of decisions that other people made. But what is he doing here? What is Jesus doing? And he's doing what he wants to do with you and me and what he wants to do with the people in our circle and that's this he's putting her in touch with her thirst he's putting her in touch with her thirst and it's what he wants to do for us not so that we can bring attention to other people's need but so that we can point them to Jesus and he can point out their need it's not important that we point out their sin but it's important that we point the way so that Jesus can life has left her thirsty And she has come to the thirst quencher. We hear people's stories at SEC all the time. 
and they never get old. Stories that go like this. Before I met Christ, I was trying to feel valued with all these things. And I met Christ, and I don't feel empty anymore. It's the same testimony that this lady is about to give. And there's a verse that, unfortunately, is wrong in your outline, but it's going to be up here on the screen. It's, it's Philippians 2.13, and this is why. This is why. It says this, for God is working in you, giving you the what? And the, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. We can't please him on our own, can we? We can't do it. We try, but it's futile. God is the one that puts in us the desire and the power to do the things that he would have us to do. And the Holy Spirit needs time and space to work it out. He needs time and space in the people that you love, in the people that you're trying to talk to about their faith. It's not up to you to save them. No, it's up to you to point the way and then to give the Holy Spirit time and space. Number three, if we're going to share our faith, I think we have to listen with openness rather than judgment. Listen with openness rather than judgment. I didn't put verses 21 through 24, and I'm sure you're glad because there's a lot of scripture in there, but I just wanted to tell you quickly about what was going on in this uh, conversation right before we get to the last scripture. She began to ask Jesus questions. She says, hey, the Samaritans say uh, we're supposed to worship here. The Jews say over there, what's the truth, Jesus? What do you think? And Jesus said, I tell you, there's going to come a time when it doesn't matter where we worship, but just that we worship in spirit and in truth. Can I tell you this? She was concerned about the rules, and Jesus was more concerned about the relationship. She was more concerned about what to do right and wrong and what am I supposed to do? Can I do this? Can I not do this? And Jesus said, don't worry about that. But if you'll just come to me, I'll give you the power and the desires that you need to change. And that's what we need to do with those around us to give them again time and space in order that the Holy Spirit can do his work. Then she does something real interesting. The woman said... I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. And when he comes, he'll explain it all to us. And then in verse 26, she comes face to face with her truth. And she said, I, or Jesus says, I am the Messiah. The openness that Jesus continued to give her throughout this conversation, again, brought her face to face with her thirst quencher. And watch what happens next. When the disciples show up. Watch this. Just then his disciples came back. And they were what? Shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to say anything. Okay? And this is what they were thinking. What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? But don't miss this. The woman left her water jar. Will you circle that? Left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone what did she leave behind again she left her water jar that that represented her ongoing thirst she left it and ran to tell do you think if any of the disciples had anything to do with this that jesus would have had this conversation with this lady 
No way. But then she did something amazing. Verse 29. Come and see a man, she said, who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people, this is so good, the people came streaming from the village to see him. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. And so he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard from him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. It's not until we seek to understand that we can be understood. She listened to him, and he listened to her, and then they listened to Jesus. There are people in your life that need to hear, but they need you to listen first. They need you to listen. They need you to lay that foundation of care. And I'm asking you today, will you listen? Will you not jump to conclusions? Will you not listen just to give quick answers, but will you listen to understand? And on the back of your connection card, if you, along with me, will check this box that says, I will do my best to listen and not miss the moment. Will you do that today? There are people in your circle that need you to listen. Will you listen? Let's stand and let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. As we are preparing for Easter this year, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. But God, help us that as we are pointing people to you, as we are attempting to share your message, God, that you would help us to listen, that you would help us to meet a need, that you would help us to care, that we would seek to understand before we seek to be understood, and God, that we would seek to listen, not to answer, but God, to point people to you, and we know that when we do that, you, you will point out what they need to know. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.